What is up, everybody? This is Alex, and you are listening to the American Toffee Podcast, serving up the latest Everton news and stateside views. So today I'd like to cover kind of two topics. It'll be somewhat of a shorter episode, but I want to talk about general Everton news and thoughts, and then I'd like to go into uh, the Crystal Palace pre-match for um, the match coming up on Saturday. So to start off with, general Everton news. I'm sure a lot of, a lot of y'all have seen this, um, but Ronald Koeman was officially appointed the Netherlands manager, um, which I found very interesting. I think we all kind of saw that coming in the future. You know, if you look back 12 months ago, I think it was always understood. They haven't had really a steady set of managers, and obviously they've been, they've been underperforming for a good while now. Um, I don't think that any of us saw it happening this quickly, um, but I think I think in general it would be a good opportunity for him. Um, I, I think that he's a good manager. I really can't wrap my head around why all of a sudden at the beginning of this season everything just went um, so sideways. You know, part of it is obviously man management, but you know we're seeing now again with Allardyce that you know. That's an issue, and maybe you know, maybe that means that there's a common factor, which are the players themselves. Um, anyway, getting off topic, that that's pretty that's pretty cool. I think I think he would do a good job for them. Um, probably one of the bigger names they could have gotten. I, actually, it's kind of surprising to be honest that he would take it. You know, knowing that all he's going to be doing for a good while is prepping for you know Euros 2020. Next up, a really good piece of news, I think, in my opinion. Uh, Funes Mori returned to action on Tuesday with the U23s. Um, I, th- I want to say he played 45 minutes, and you know they lost four to zero. So, <laughs> not the best piece of part of this good news piece. Um, but I think that um, him coming through, he very well could kind of plug the gaping hole at left back for us. Um, he starts left back for Argentina. And, you know, obviously they have a very strong squad. You know, he, he's got a bit of a, a bit more pace than most of the center backs we have. And, you know, I, I know he's he's always been a little a little iffy um, defensively, but I think on the left hand side he's at least he's naturally left footed and he's more comfortable on the ball than any of our other center backs, barring maybe Holgate. Um, I think it could be I think it could be good for us. I don't know that he would return to first team action, you know, within the next week or so. I, I don't, I don't, I don't foresee him pulling a Seamus Coleman and and returning and playing 90 minutes and making an 80 yard run in the 92nd minute. That that was that was insane. And as Sam Allardyce said about that, that was completely superhuman. So we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully in the next uh, two to three weeks he could return. And I, I really don't think he's going to have too big of an issue trying to push into the first team at that rate, especially with how things went a couple days ago. Next up, um, De La Feu ended up going to uh, Watford, and he scored and assisted in Watford's 4-1 to victory over Chelsea. Um, and, of course, all over social media, all over Reddit, everyone's talking about how we let him go, this, that, and the other. But, you know, I kind of have a different mindset about it, right? Um, We didn't have 
we didn't have um, any any power over the situation, from my understanding, right? Barcelona had the buyback clause for two years, and they activated it on the second year. Um, and so that's that. And, you know, I think everyone kind of sees or believes that they're still just trying to flip him for profit. Uh, again, their buyback clause then indicates they cannot sell him for a full year. And then after that year, I want to say, maybe it's a rumor, maybe it's not, that Everton have right of first refu refusal. Regardless, you know, everybody's complaining about how, you know, oh, look at what he's doing at Watford already in the first match and look at what just happened to us against Arsenal. But to be honest, he was never consistent enough for us at all. Um, furthermore, you know, 50, 60 minutes into every match that we saw him play, he was gassed. And to be honest, I, I always saw the same attitude in him as I did Lukaku in a sense that, you know, he just wants to throw his hands up when things don't go his way or someone doesn't play a perfect pass for him. Now, uh, De La Feu has all the talent in the world. I mean, this guy's the real deal. He's got tons of pace. Uh, he's got a great cross on him. You know, we, we've seen a couple a couple times him play a killer long pass. Um, so, you know, I really do wish him well. I have nothing against him all. I just think that, you know, people calling for the fact, you know, people complaining about the fact that we didn't hold on to him or, you know, maybe he could have helped us in this situation. It's just not, it's just not viable. But it'll be exciting to see him in the Premier League again. And you never know what will happen in the future. Next up, here's, here's a good piece, um, a good bit of information. So Cenk Tosun, uh, I guess, talked to some type of Turkish media outlet about Sam Allardyce and Everton as a whole. And my big thing, uh, my big complaint over the last uh, two weeks has been, you know, why is he not starting? He came, he started two, two matches in a row, or I believe, and all of a sudden he got dropped for Nias, of all people. Um, and... So he, he gave an interview and he was talking about it. And his first point was just simply that it's not easy adjusting to a new environment, right? He's from he's from Europe. But uh and actually if I'm not mistaken, he uh he was from Germany. Came through uh one of the German clubs, youth academies. Um but he just talks about not being easy to adjust to a new environment, right? You know, um I know specifically myself from the States compared to what I know about uh, England's weather. I, I don't think I would I would uh, do very well over there. But past the weather portion, you know, he's he's coming and, you know, he's got the primary the primary language is English, which is obviously not his his primary language. Um, he's got to get adjusted to a new place like living arrangements. He's probably away from, you know, some family or even further away from them than he was at his previous club. Furthermore, he's got to adjust to new teammates, right? He's got to he's got to he's got to kind of bond with them a little bit, you know, cuz I think one thing that's very discounted is is uh, you know, friendships and bond bonds between teammates and how it translates onto the pitch. Um, so he's he's got to work on that and get to know him better and, you know, knowing Everton, I know that they're they're giving him a a warm welcome. But past that, as we've seen, he's got to get used to the style of play. Because Besiktas is, is, from what I understand and from clips I've seen, uh, don't quote me on this, but it, it looks like that they play at a pretty high, uh, pretty fast-paced, um, fluid attacking football compared to 
Everton this season at least, which is very slow, lethargic, um, kind of boot the ball upfield and hope you know hope someone pulls something out out from behind. So you know that those are all pieces. Now he did mention that he has zero problems with Sam Allardyce. He said Sam Allardyce communicated to him up front that it's hard to adapt to the league. Um, and he also said that Sam told him once he does start adapting a little better that he will be a regular starter. So that's that's good to hear. Um, and he followed it up at the end with saying that he has no interest in returning to Turkey. I'm not sure if the, maybe that was asked or what. But I think those are all fantastic things to hear. If you, re- if you read uh, the whole interview translated, it just shows what a good attitude he has and, and what a good person and, and player he is. And I really, really uh, hope that he's able to cut it at the club because... Um, I think that I think that uh, you know he's he uh, he's the exact type of person that we need in the locker room and and on the pitch representing the club itself. So another uh, a big piece of information uh, it's as of yesterday started seeing rumors float around saying that West Ham and Everton were uh, interested in signing Patrice Evra as he was um, let go for kicking a fan and getting a ban. Uh, um, and today it, it he signed officially for West Ham, and all the rumors uh, were saying that he essentially turned down Everton in favor for West Ham because he wanted to live in London. If I'm not mistaken, he's 36 years old, so I, I understand it. Um, do I think that that was really a big miss? No. You know, he would have came on astronomical wages he would have played for the last however many games. We have 13 games. And, you know, Baines would have been back at some point. You know, I, you know, and even next season, I'm sure over the summer, I well, I can't say I'm sure. I pray over the summer that we sign a suitable backup and, you know, future replacement for Baines. So is that the answer? No. Is it interesting that over the January window, Allardyce said that, there were no suitable left backs on the market. Uh, yes, but regardless, I think overall it won't be a too big of a miss. And last piece, last piece uh, in the general kind of news section, um, Allardyce uh, gave an interview and, and was talking about uh, Klassen specifically. And I, I really liked what he had to say, but you know, it kind of alluded to things that I personally always felt. Um, past, you know, all the all the rumors and this, that, and the other, and the uncertainty. But he essentially said uh, that Klassen has been trying to fight for his place this whole time, the whole season. Um, again, fantastic to hear. And and you know, that's that's what his agent said publicly um, over the January transfer window too. Was that he he wanted to stay and fight for his place. Uh, obviously, that was before he got you know a loan offer for Napoli, and and that fell through. You never know what's you know what's true and what's false, but. I do know that, you know, his agent said that, and it seems like his character, uh, you know, suits that story a little better. Sam went on to talk about how the majority of foreign players don't work out in general in the league, and, you know, the ones that do most of the time adjust in the second season. Perfect example, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, is is Erickson for Spurs, right? So you never know. I mean, Everton in general have been a, an absolute dumpster fire, and... I honestly, um, I don't know that it's the worst season to miss for him. Um, it is definitely confusing that he's not getting minutes with the U23. Someone brought that up 
uh, on Reddit the other day. And that was a good point because, you know, it kind of shows that, it, that he's not been getting minutes with the U23 Zebra either. And that kind of tells me that Big Sam has no uh, plans to play him in a match anytime soon because otherwise he'd be attempting to build up his match fitness. So it's kind of disappointing, but other, otherwise, um, you know, last big quote from that interview, uh, Aldice said, we could very well have a different player at the start of preseason. And I really hope we do because, you know, I think we're going to have to change our style quite a bit in order to suit him, right? It's going to have to be a little bit, it's going to have to be much quicker pace. I think in general, he's, he's a very smart footballer and, you know, just like Tozun, they're both going to be suited to a quicker style of play. So, and, and that's what we all want anyway, right? That's what we all want is a quicker, more fluid attacking style of play, just like Martinez. I saw kind of on a, uh, on a, on a tangent here, I saw a poll on Twitter the other day from some big outlet and it was asking uh, Everton fans who they'd rather have right now, Sam um, Komen or Martinez, and the overwhelming majority chose Martinez. I, th- I mean, I agree. It was it was fun to watch. Obviously, it didn't it didn't really work out the last two seasons, but he was a good manager overall. I think he did a good job um, managing the players from a man management standpoint. That's a lot of mans and managements, um, and you know. Overall, I think everyone was kind of accepting and glad he was gone, but at the same time, they, you know, oh, they wished him the best. Whereas, you know, Ronald Koeman was a was a different story or kind of gave off a different feeling from the fans for sure. But moving on to uh, the more interesting piece, I know most people are uh, wanting to hear about is is the pre match for Crystal Palace. So. As we know, last time out over the weekend, uh, we got absolutely uh, obliterated, embarrassed by Arsenal. Um, I'm not even going to go into what I think about that match past what I did a couple days ago. But I'm feeling optimistic about this game. Um, I think that they're a dangerous team. I think that this season they've been underperforming. Not so much in the last month or two, but this season as a whole they have. And I think that it's it's the perfect game to to bounce back. So we're playing at home again, uh, even better conditions, right? I I think the fans really really have to um, push the push the squad on and and hope for a result. But I'd like to offer my preferred lineup. Um, you know, give you an explanation as to why in each area of the pitch I think these these guys fit. Or and are the best options. And then I have a really interesting stat for you that I think you'll want to hear. Um, so, my preferred lineup is a 4-3-3. Obviously in goal, Jordan Pickford. I would hope you didn't think I was going to say uh, any other name there. Right back, Seamus Coleman. Um, you know, it was it was expected, I think, for any uh, competent fan that he wasn't going to he wasn't going to start or play against Arsenal, but he was left out of the squad because of of some type of illness. Uh, so I think, I think, I'm hoping, you know, it's just some small cold thing and he'll be back. Center back, I'd like to see Holgate and Jaggy Elka. Um, Holgate has been consistent this season and Jaggy Elka offers, you know, offers more pace than, than the others. You know, I also think that after um, 
after the display with the other three in central defense over the weekend, uh, all three of them should be sitting for sure. At left back, Martina, um, I have in parentheses, Ramiro Funes Mori, if fit, that's highly unlikely. I don't see that happening. Um, but again, this would be my preferred lineup. So in a perfect world, if he was fit, he'd be starting left back. Moving into the midfield three, I'm going to have to say Ghana, obviously. Um, I'd like to go with Davies as a box-to-box midfielder and then Sigurdsson at attacking midfield. Um, I think this midfield three offers a ton of energy and a ton of stamina, right? That's undisputed. These three guys, if there's anyone on the, on the pitch other than maybe Nias and Seamus Coleman, apparently, right off of his injury, um, that can cover miles and miles and miles on end and go until the whistle blows. It's Ghana, Davies, and Sigurdsson, right? And, you know, as we see, we really just have to pick up the energy. And, and I think that, you know, it, it, it kind of helps to have the, the heart of the team um, keeping the pace up, the energy, the stamina. Um, I, th- I think it'd be beneficial. Again, Ghana, obviously defensive-minded. He's not going to hold like Schneiderlin or Barry used to, but he'll be roaming around, breaking up, uh, breaking up uh, passing lanes and tackling, etc. Davies, I think Davies is beneficial in the lineup because he's going to help push the ball forward, right? He hasn't had that great of a season, definitely a sophomore slump. But his energy alone, the fact that he can press so well and for so long, and you know, he, he does have an eye for a pass or an eye for a goal, and I think that he helps in that sense, kind of balance the midfield. And then finally, Sigurdsson, obviously he'll find space between the lines, you know, um, shift in out wherever he wherever he feels is necessary. And I think that that's the perfect midfield three. And then for our forwards, um, always, in my opinion, going to be the best options is going to be Balassi on the left, Cenk Tosun up top, and Walcott on the right. Do I think this is likely? No, I think Nias or... Calvert-Lewin, preferably Calvert-Lewin, is going to start up top because, again, what Allardyce keeps saying about Tosun not being ready. Also on account of the fact that Calvert-Lewin was subbed on before Tosun was against Arsenal, so that kind of shows you where he's at in the depth chart. Um, But nonetheless, again, my preferred lineup, Balassi, Tosun, Walcott. And heading into this uh, really interesting stat, I saw this on Twitter don't quote me, I personally did not have time to go back and check to see if this is correct. And I'll also kind of give small caveats at the end, kind of things I've thought of. But we all remember, um, what was it, about a week or a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, Sam Allardyce said publicly, you cannot play Rooney and Sigurdsson in the same team because they're too slow. Everyone remembers that huge uproar, right? Well, what does he do? The next match... He plays Rooney and Sigurdsson in the same team. Well, I've got a stat here. Between 12 games under Sam Allardyce, right? I'm going to split it up into halves. So, when Rooney and Sigurdsson both start, out of six games played, we have four wins, one draw, and one loss. When they don't start together, meaning one or neither start, Playing six matches under Sam Allardyce, we've won zero, drew three, and lost three. That is literally screaming off the computer at me. How can you go out publicly and say that 
and not understand. One, this statistic is insane, but two, we've saw. The best we have looked this season is when Sigurdsson's playing attacking midfield and Rooney is playing as a deep-lying playmaker, right? But this stat really puts it in perspective. Now, here's what I will say. One thing I thought of that isn't illustrated here is when they're talking about when they don't start together, right? Well, if my memory serves me correctly, the times that they have not started together are against top six bigger clubs in general, in general. I can't recall one of the bigger games, bigger matches where Rooney and Sigurdsson both started together. So that piece, that part kind of, kind of, um, kind of construes the stat a little bit because again, you know, you could talk about playing six when they don't start and not winning one match, but all six of them could have been the top six compared to the others who could have been the bottom six, you know? Again, I personally did not check this statistic. I saw it. It got a lot of attention on Twitter. I thought it was insane to see written down, but to think about, I think it's pretty accurate in general. Again, you don't know who we played, um, but you know, some food for thought. I still don't have Rooney in my ideal um, lineup. Um, should it be coming off the bench? Yes. But I think I think for now, you may as well just give Davies the start. Um, if anything, just for his for his high energy, high stamina, pressing, and all that good stuff. So I guess we will see how this turns out. You know, now it's now or never to turn this around. Um, we need to put the Arsenal match behind us very very quickly. Um, so I hope I hope uh, I have a fantastic post match to bring to you all over the weekend. Thanks so much for tuning in. Again, as always. Um, if you're on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review it. It really helps me um, keep me on as number one when you know under the search uh, under the search bar when people search Everton. You know I need as many subscribes, rate, reviews as possible for that. So I really appreciate your help. Otherwise, up the toffees.